You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where Wagner Management Corp denies all involvement in the Russian coup. I'm your temporary host, William N. Green, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said or ever will say on this show. I have, of course, as in every episode, forgoing my white gay male privilege. Uh, Joining me this trip from Tejas, guest host today, but host emeritus for life, Daniel T. Richards. Welcome to the show. Boy, oh boy, William, it's, it's good to be here, and it's especially good to be here without Justin. (laughs) <laughs> Since, uh, we will have an opportunity to talk, you and I. I know. Um, it, 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 I, yes. I won't say there will be no rants, but there might be less rants. I don't know. We'll have to find out. Fewer rants. Fewer Bostonian-style <laughs> rants. But of course, Justin is having the time of his life in Italy and all other manner of European places. Um, I saw, for instance, that he wore his reason, purpose, self-esteem shirt to the Vatican. So, uh, you know what that mid-side well. You know what that is, uh, Daniel? That's uh, he is. Uh, I am still privileged in some way. He's still privileged in some ways, uh, getting to go out there like that. <laughs> you know, it's been long enough, William, that I suspect that there are a goodly number of people who don't know who the hell that I am. <laughs> That's probably true. Um, they probably don't even know who said that drop. They probably think it's like me, and so like uh, uh, maybe I was like you sick are or something. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> um, so, just a quick recap. Uh, I used to be a host on this show way back in the day. Justin and I kind of started this thing together, although it was certainly his idea and he was the main driver behind it. And uh, he and I have been friends since grad school when we sort of bonded over not being uh, at the time very, very left uh, in this sort of sea of leftism in grad school. So, and we also then bonded over the Patriots, who he introduced me to, and Pop Punk, which he introduced me to. So Justin has many reasons to think that he has had an incredible impact on at least the pop culture element of my life. So we started this podcast, and uh, then a few years back, I left and handed over the reins to one William Green. That's right. And you've been doing bigger and better things. Uh, how's, how's the business going? How's the family going? Everything going well in your life out there in sunny and very hot Tejas? Yes, I live in Dallas now, which is like living inside a hairdryer. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a mere 102 today, but later this week, maybe 111, which is super sweet. But everything else is great. The business I, I co-founded in 2021, Return on Ideas, is doing very well. We work with Liberty Movement folks to do digital strategy and marketing and branding. And then, of course, the family is great. Just had our daughter's one-year birthday, Amelia. And then our son, Isaac, will be five in July. So oh, live in feel so the old. dream. I remember little William. baby Isaac. I remember him, <laughs> little tiny baby. He was... Well, uh, He's awesome. He's, uh, I will say that (laughs) all this hot family talk, um, he's living his best life here in Texas. Um, he is into everything that I have no interest in whatsoever, like gardening, (laughs) uh, tools, um, guns. And so he is now 
fully embraced the Texan lifestyle. Yesterday, we went to Shields, which the best way to describe it is um, if you took an amusement park-sized area and you just made it an outdoor store, like for outdoor living, uh, it would be Shields. They have a, a aquarium inside of this sporting goods store. They have a Ferris wheel inside this sporting goods store. And we were heading up the stairs, and Isaac said, look at all those guns. <laughs> they just have this massive section for oh. weaponry. And uh, he just spent the better half of a half hour walking around these cases, drooling at these guns. So, man, oh, Texas man. Has, has never... Uh, he's just living his best life here. Well, so this last weekend was uh, Father's Day uh, weekend, uh, two weekends ago, as you listen to the show. And uh, I was back visiting uh, my parents in Michigan. And of course, uh, one of the days was uh, one of my siblings bringing out all of his guns for us to shoot (laughs) in the backyard. You know, things, list of things you can't do in California. Uh, So uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. And uh, uh, uh it was it was you good. Were, uh, uh, my dad my dad had an injury and he couldn't really shoot, but uh, he was he was having a good time talking to us about all of them. And and it's funny that uh, it's funny that is, Isaac's going to be he's going to join the club. He's going to join the club. This is how it goes with me being someone who's fired a gun literally one time in my life at a range. <laughs> Isaac says, "What kind of gun is that, Dad?" And I say, "Well, that's a that's a big gun, son." <laughs> and he says, "What kind of gun is that, Dad?" I said, "Well, that's." That's a slightly smaller gun, my son. So uh, that's the extent of my gun knowledge, William. Well, let's get into other things that we do know a little more about. About farce. Let's witness some farce on Life on the Midside. Take a good look around. This life really sucks. Are we just complaining? I hope that this mic is on. Because I'm on a roll here. I hope this is making some sense. I hope that you'll throw up your hands and sing it and tell So if you like the show, there's two ways you can support us. Of course, patreon.com slash the midside or locals.com slash the midside. And uh, people who join, they can join our Patreon. So don't forget about that. Sweet. Well, if you were like most people this week, especially uh, men, I, I have to say, you were probably gripped, nay, tied, nay, glued to your computer screen, wondering what was going to happen with the Titan sub. Uh, and then also tanks, but we'll get to that later. Um, but we now know that the uh, missing Titan sub uh, likely imploded, and everyone aboard was killed, uh, probably instantly crushed to death, vaporized, etc. So luckily they didn't suffer. Um, but the intriguing part of this story is has actually come out that the U.S. Navy likely heard the implosion of the missing Titan sub a week ago? on Sunday, the day it went missing. And this has caused a bit of a firestorm, of course, because all week the media was covering, you know, do we hear knocking? How many hours of oxygen do they have left? Um, You know, could we send a rescue mission in time? The high drama! When in fact, we probably knew that they were dead. 
uh, before all of that. Yeah, it really so, felt like they milked it for all it was worth. Like, is this is this the pre-Trump ratings push? You know, so that they can have something for advertisers to uh, to purchase during election season. So, of course, William, the people are the peoples uh, on Twitter are out wondering: Was this a, a, a false flag operation? Was it psyops, or was it simply the media trying to cover up for the administration? Of course, you had the Hunter Biden stuff happen this week, and you had some uh, Jeffrey Epstein and Goldman Sachs emails that got deleted. And uh, so, was this sort of like a quote cover up? Uh, of stuff, or was it, as I, I tend to think it is, just the media wanting ratings, desperate, desperate ratings, because they don't get any anymore? Your thoughts, yeah. William? Yeah, does this fall into, like, Stupid or Liar? You know, Adam Carolla's yeah. favorite thing? You know, oh, is, is it Stupid or Liar? I think in this case, it's stupid, but is there really a difference either way? I mean, they're gonna go, they're gonna go where they think the most drama is, and I didn't, did you see the interview with James Cameron? Like where he he was talking about how they knew it on Sunday. Um, uh, I saw the headlines, but I didn't watch the actual. Interview. Yeah, did he say something interesting? Uh, well, he just was talking about how people in the sub community had all sort of decided on Sunday. You know, they had they had talked to people and saw the acoustic, you know, thing the the boom basically on Sunday. And I'm sorry, basically, the, the sub community because I, I believe you, William, are part of the sub community. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the sub the submersible community. There we go. Okay. I thought we were talking about sandwiches. <laughs> um, yes, it's probably true. I mean, most people thought that this company was insane and took some shortcuts in there. Oh, yeah, I dug into that a bit and, uh, for sure. It was it was crazy. So I, I don't know a lot about uh, composite materials and things like that. But the, you know, a, a lot of a few of the SpaceX RUDs, uh, rapid unscheduled disassemblies, for those of you not in the rocket business, were caused by carbon pressure overwrap vessels. And that's that's sort of the inverse of this, right? That's keeping a very high pressure gas inside of a tank. Um mm. and for repeated cycling. And they've done a, they do a lot of inspections on that and things like that because the whole thing with SpaceX is reusability. There's a lot of non-destructive testing. And even with that, they had a couple failures early on, right? Mm -hmm. Um apparently they did no non-destructive testing on this submarine. No, None. Like you did. Yeah. Hmm. Crazy, isn't that? Like, a little bit crazy. And, and then people got in it. That's well, the thing. Yeah. Like, caveat emptor, but like, I'm going to do a little bit of research before I get into a sub, uh, you know, sandwich or otherwise, and uh, put my life at risk. So. True. True. And just like, hell? and just like a sub sandwich, um, uh, cycling matters. You know, the first time you use it, it might be perfect, but then the second time it might have microfractures, uh, in the case of a, mm. a submersible, and, and rupture. So repeated use can be a really bad thing. We know a lot about how steel, uh, which is the more traditional construction material for submarines, obviously, steel and aluminum, we know about their cycles and how to detect issues. Think of like airplanes and even like modern submarines. But uh, this composite material, we know very little about how to detect um, and even what size... Uh, sort of stress fractures or other blemishes would look like, right? So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, to say to do it once is probably one thing, but to have it, this is what, it's fourth mission? Mm, something like that, yeah. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it seems like incompetence. And then there's also a lawsuit. There's tons of things going on here. But, but Daniel, aren't we yeah. falling into the trap here? Isn't this, yes, isn't this way, way more interesting than politics? Is that what we're really saying? 
Well, I do think, uh, I was going to say, good God, before this becomes a science podcast, let's get back to the culture. Uh, we would want people confused that the show is... Oh, no, fast. thinking that we have knowledge. Um, absolutely not. I don't know anything. Please don't follow me. Um, but it is an interesting question of what stuff gets raised to the top, right, in the media sphere, what stuff hooks our interest and why. Well, it if it bleeds, interest. it leads. Or in this case, if it implodes, it leads. That's right. If it implodes, it page loads. That was horrible. There you go. Um, but what what is interesting about this? So I think certainly the element of having the billionaire part of this is in the current sort of social justice um, equity conversation was very interesting because we wanted to know the fate of these billionaires. And I think there was, in fact, some grotesque cheering on of the idea that these people would be dead yeah i think they had money yeah i think right? i pointed that out in 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 the thread when we were discussing this story uh, earlier in the week i was like there's something grotesque i couldn't put my finger on i think it was i think you're right i think it's that eat the rich sort of thing it's like oh good rich people died and i was just like what like what are we even talking yeah. about here like I, i'm not you know i'm all for gilbert godfrey humor right like that's not what i'm saying but that that seems a little gross to me Yes. I mean, Gilbert Godfrey wasn't ever cheering. He was just a comedian. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if it's funny, it's funny. I think some of the memes that came out of this were, were funny. Uh, but the active cheering on of death, especially because people were rich, I think was the thing that made this a story, quite honestly. If this was, um, I don't know, <laughs> I guess there are a lot of examples of non-rich people getting into submersibles and visiting deep depths in the ocean. Does Cameron uh, have the movie rights yet? <laughs> this is the follow-up. This is the sequel to Titanic that he's been waiting for. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that Hollywood has been yearning for. Um, I definitely think that that sort of Marxist element to it was why it was so captivating for the internet, especially. Well, you would have thought the Marxists would be more interested in our next story. They, they probably are interested in our next story, but this was the other thing that kept uh, men up at night uh, this week. I think, I, I think in my informal survey of women, most have no idea what I'm talking about with this because it's, it involves tanks and coups and, and all sorts of things and has no interest to most of them. But um, the, <laughs> the shortest coup ever I'm not sure that's true. Wait, that coup. January 6th. Come on now, Daniel. <laughs> the shortest coup ever. This is the shortest One of the shorter ever. coups ever uh, happened this week, and the story is still <laughs> unfolding. So if we say something today that you're hearing tomorrow that may not be true, we, we apologize. But Don't worry, uh, we disavow everything we have said or ever will say on the show. So <laughs> The Wagner Group Rebellion challenges Putin's rule over Russia is the headline on, on uh, NBC News. And they have a little nice summary box of what you need to know about the situation in Russia. The Wagner mercenary chief, oh God, Yevgeny, unpronounceable, said Saturday he had ordered his forces to turn back and return to their bases, seemingly abandoning an armed rebellion that had been heading toward Moscow. In a post on Telegram, unpronounceable said the move was done to avoid bloodshed. Um, Russian Vladimir, President Vladimir Putin had accused these mercenaries of treason and vowed to crush the growing armed rebellion. Uh, but the head of the mercenary group and once a 
confidant of the Russian leader, claimed that he and his fighters had taken over several areas where the Russian military headquarters were overseeing the, the war in Ukraine. But apparently it's all fine now. Everyone's fine now. Everything's cool. Everyone's calm. And we're going back to fighting the Ukrainians. So, um, <laughs> William, yes. what do you make of this? Uh, this would be not be uh, rather annoyingly short coup. Well, I blame Beyonce, and here's why. So I don't know if you saw this story. Uh, it's been circulating around. Beyonce caused inflation in Sweden. I think it was Sweden. And uh, Beyonce was to blame for inflation. So if Beyonce is to blame for inflation, I think he was just looking for a pay rise. I mean, you know, inflation's got to be hitting Russia harder than it is Sweden, right? I guess so. So this is a big, this is just a big, he got a, he got a good performance review, but didn't get that pay raise. Um, but joking aside, there's been talk that he's been wanting the Minister of Defense or some sort of, you know, ministry position rather than mercenary position, this guy. Uh, mm. Maybe this is just a, a, a job interview. This is how the Russians uh, do the interview process for their cabinet-level positions. Um, yes, TASSE, a media outlet run by Russia's government, reported that criminal charges against uh, unpronounceable would be dropped. In a Telegram post, the news agency reported that Putin's spokesman, Dmitry Peskov, also said that uh, this person would go to Belarus. So, facing exile. But maybe that's just like a temporary thing. Like, we're yeah. going to put you in our outer office before we bring you in <laughs> to the main office. Right? Maybe, maybe. Or yeah. there could be someone there waiting with some radioactive material to uh, uh, stick him with, right? Like that uh, Russian spy in, uh, in the UK. There is that, but... Again, the question sort of poses, like, why are we, why does this capture us? What is interesting about this? What cultural elements are here? Do we, do we just like to see a good coup now and again? I, I, think, I think the media class, that's probably true. But Daniel, didn't you find it interesting? I saw a lot of videos of, uh, you know, troop movements, uh, the, the tanks coming down the street, and people just didn't give a fuck. Like, isn't is is there anything more Russian than that? Like you're like, eh, one dictator, another dictator. I gotta go to the store. Like that seems so strange to me. That's right. It's sort of like how uh, how uh, Floridians view the weather, right? Like if you don't like oh, the weather, yeah. give it a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been. It's been like torrentially downpouring, and someone's like, oh, okay, we'll just be a few minutes late. And I'm like, we could die right now. It's like thunder, lightning, horizontal rain. <laughs> if you don't like this czar just give it a few minutes in russia uh, i don't know do you think anything's gonna happen like i you know i, I heard uh constantine uh kissin uh from the trigonometry podcast he had a, yeah. a live show yesterday um kind of talking about uh since he's a, a russian jew is his background and you know he was talking about you know russian culture a bit and and he was basically saying that this this is sort of par for the course right like uh, he doesn't think, you know, it's hard to say if this will change anything, but it's certainly an indicator of where their government is. I mean, since they don't have elections, maybe this is just the way people register their outrage. Right? Yeah, certainly. You can't vote. Yeah, I mean, vote we talk about how out. voting doesn't matter here. Well, voting really doesn't matter in Russia. Yeah, so we can't vote Putin out, so we'll just send some tanks toward Moscow, and that's how we sort of, you know... That's their version of democracy. It does beg the question, what is the change that he wanted? I mean, his stated change was like, basically stop bombing us because they were getting mistakenly bombed, I guess, at one point by the regular Russian troops. But I, I mean, 
Are the Russians I'm, the keystone cops of the military? I don't know. This Wagner group, uh, though, these are all like criminals that got their sentence commuted so that they can work for this mercenary group. And they basically have like a very, uh, a very Russian sort of, uh, we don't retreat. If you retreat, we kill you by bashing you in the head with a hammer. So uh, these are some serious mercenaries. So, the, you know, geez. Uh, it was interesting that at one point Russia claimed it, it killed 150,000 mercenary troops. So uh, I, I uh, roughly that most estimates say that their Wagner group has about 50,000 troops. So I don't know how they tripled the number of troops right before they got killed. But um, I don't know. But the, the fog of war here is hilarious. And it's hard to even see like, you know, we, we talk about this often with a lot of international stories. There's the sort of like Western view of the stories. And then there's the on the ground, like what's happening. Right. And then there's the domestic politic version of it. Right. Like what what does it mean yes. domestically? Um, now, when you talk about Russia, that's hard to talk about domestic politics because it's all just power politics with Putin, right? But yes, but I, you know, I it was interesting to hear some of the like Russian culture view, right? Like, there's people all over the map in this. People, you know, Wagner is a kind of a Trumpian sort of, uh, you know, people either love him or hate him sort of thing. Um, uh, Russians have this idea of a strong leader, and they think that's the only requirement for leadership is being a strong leader. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know that this really says anything, but don't you feel safe knowing that our nuclear codes are are safely ensconced in Putin's hands? Yes, it's um, it really lets me sleep soundly at night. You know what else helps me sleep soundly at night is knowing that our very own Federal Trade Commission is taking on the scourge of Amazon Prime. Yes, the FTC hit Amazon this week with a lawsuit for quote tricking users into prime subscriptions how dare um, they. amazon is is being sued uh for signing up customers for prime memberships without their consent uh although that's a very interesting word in the context of what we're actually talking about here in a complaint filed on wednesday the agency also accused the company of undermining the cancellation process for customers did you hear that william they undermined the cancellation process <laughs> Uh, the news comes on the heels of the e-commerce giant announcing its July Prime Day sales event, which is linked here in the article so that CNET can make money. Uh, hilarious. According to the filing, this is where it gets really dark and sinister. Uh, according to the filing, Amazon used a tactic called dark patterns to coerce millions of consumers into enrolling in autopay Prime subscriptions. The FTC's complaint states that the company does not sufficiently convey the monthly cost of membership. Additionally, the site... <laughs> it's a complete mystery. <laughs> it's a... No one could ever know. It's, it's really ungoogleable. Additionally, the suit cites Amazon corporate leaders who allegedly subverted changes to the user interface that would reduce non-consensual enrollments. Um, FTC had Lena Khan... Yes, of con fame, uh, took to Twitter and said Amazon purposely worked to botch subscription cancelizations. <laughs> this is my favorite part, William. Internally, quote, analogizing the cancellation process to the epic tale of a brutal war by calling it the Iliad flow. Okay. <laughs> While the FTC acknowledged that the retailer made significant adjustments to its cancellation procedures for some subscribers shortly before the suit was filed, the agency asserts that the company has violated blah, 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 blah. So, William, 
Amazon using these dark patterns and analogizing the cancellation process to a brutal war. They've really coerced people this time, right? They basically put them in Amazon Prime gulag, have they not? Uh, yes, this non-consensual uh, wallet rape is what I'm going to call it since it's non-consensual. Um, I don't know. So this is this seems like a uh, an, a usability issue being taken on by the government, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Daniel, how annoyed are you by the consent cookie uh, banner that's on every website now? Every time, is, uh, yeah. every time I click a link for a news story, taking up three quarters of my screen is a giant opt-in button, and then you have you have to click forty-seven times to click opt-out. Yes. Do you think the Amazon Prime subscribe and unsubscribe workflow is anywhere close to that workflow? No. <laughs> no. You know, no. You, you know, I read through this article at the end. The real motivation is at the end. The FTC is trying to regulate this kind of dark flow thing. They want to they want to regulate this as an advertisement regulation or whatever they would call it. And so there there's a call to action to report to to the FTC comment on their law that would regulate this. And to anyone who would comment in in support of this law, I would say that you need to say this. Ladies and gentlemen, I am not a genius. If you can't figure out how to unsubscribe from from Amazon. Now, no doubt, I've seen a lot of really bad uh, cancellation workflows, right? I, I can't remember which uh, product it was, but there was one where you have to call in to cancel, right? Yeah, look, I was going to say, it is 2023, and if it is a little bit hard to find the cancellation button in Amazon, that pales, pales in comparison to things like gym memberships or... God forbid if you've ever used the company True Green to spray your lawn for mosquitoes, where you can sign up, pay, manage your account online, but if you want to cancel, you have to call a phone number. Yeah. In yeah. 2023, that to me is far more coercive than anything Amazon has done, but we won't go after them yeah. because Lena Khan is a celebrity and, and she wants her celebrity status increased. <laughs> and Amazon has deep pockets, right? Yes. You know, that's that's right. really what it comes down to. So, I was curious because I have nominally been in the web design world for a long time, and I'm not quite familiar with the tactic of using dark patterns to coerce people to do things, although I wish I had been. So I looked up what these dark patterns are, and I was unprepared, William, for the true terror that are these dark patterns that web designers use. So are you, are, I mean, I want you to prepare yourself. This is almost a trigger warning of sorts. All right. For you I'm to ready. sort of settle yourself into your seat and think through the horror of what I'm about to read to you. So what are some examples of dark patterns, you might ask? Well, in e-commerce or travel booking, creating a false sense of urgency for a product or service through scarcity signals, indicating that a certain number of people are interested in it. For instance, three others are looking at this hotel room right now. I'll let you catch your breath. In app download agreements, forcing people to accept densely worded terms before they can access a product or service. Gasp. In data collection notices for opt-out, highlighting certain choices with more prominent 
or brightly colored buttons while obscuring <laughs> others. My eyes. Don't don't laugh, William. This is serious business. They're using colors Dark. here. <laughs> or in subscription services, here's the one that Amazon is using, making it very difficult to cancel a service or find opt-out links. I'm glad we got through that together, William, because I've been holding on to that. You know, I just, personally, uh, my that, dog that just came over to see what was wrong with me. That's and I just, I can't imagine the horror of, of seeing buttons in, in a gray tone compared to other buttons in, in a color pattern that would make me want to click on them more or highlight them. <sighs> well, Jesus. at least now we've learned uh, why, why the midside hasn't gained, you know, 40 million subscribers yet it's because we're not using these dark patterns so daniel my There's task to you patterns. is get right on it get right on it well speaking of brightly colored people uh, or things that want to be noticed over others um some drag marchers yes people who are in drag marching not like a drag marching band or anything like that people who are in drag marching have sparked outrage outrage william with uh, a chant at a New York City Pride event. They were chanting as they were marching down the street, we're coming for your children. Mm. Mm, we're coming for your children. Well, we have, we, have the, we have the president's characterization of this event. I don't know if you've been listening to the show lately, but here's uh, President Biden's take. As commander-in-chief, I was proud to have ended the ban on transgender Americans. Transgender Americans. That's who these people are. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, I, I might sign up for being a transgender. Um, LGBTQ activists participating in New York City's annual drag march on Friday sparked outrage for chanting, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children in a Manhattan park. Don't get that drop, please. Uh, the marchers, <laughs> many wearing flamboyant dresses and clothing, walked through Tompkins Square Park in East Village Friday night as part of the city's Pride Month. Video of the march shows people laughing and joining in with the cheeky chant, including one dancing topless woman. Others can be heard- How dare you gender that woman? I mean, that person. <laughs> Stop taking the heteronormative let's, let's approach. Let's take the heteronormative approach here. Stop it. The oppression. We're here, we're queer, we're not going shopping. <laughs> what? Is, is that, that one? That was another chant. Wait, um, so there were no women in the, in the march? I don't know. Uh, the controversial chant, of course, has incensed incensed conservatives who condemn the marchers. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, representative from Georgia, said, quote, this movement grooms minors to have mastectomies and castration and fuels a multi-billion dollar medical child abuse industry. Uh, she wants to pass something called the Protect Children's Innocence Act, or PAKIA. Of course. Um, attorney... Jenna Ellis, who was briefly a member of Donald Trump's legal team, tweeted, remember that thing they said they were totally not doing? Conservative podcaster Graham Allen said this is what evil looks like. So, um, William, is this what evil looks like? Because it's mm. not that scary, actually. This is what narcissism looks like, I think. <laughs> there we uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> this is what cluster B personality disorder looks like. This is narcissism. But, I mean... I, I struggle with this because there is a point here. There, the the narcissists that are dangerous narcissists. This is why they're attracted to this movement. This is why the the transgender movement has been taken over by the most malignant narcissists. Right? 
They mm-hmm. do think that they they do think it's their moral duty to come after your children and free them from the enslavement of your gender, uh, of your non teaching them of the gender ideology, right? Like they do believe that. It's just like it, I I I always bring this up on the show, and it it is so much like religion. They're here to save your kids. That's how they see it, right? In their in their delusion, that's what they're here to do. So I think it's it's two things. One is it's certainly that, but two. We are just at that sort of cultural conversation point where there is, there is no uh, persuasion gap in the middle. No one is interested in talking to each other and having a rhetorical conversation. They're interested in trolling and hurting each other. Yeah, so one side points. says, your group is entirely groomers who want to force children into mastectomies. And the other group says, yeah, we're coming for your kids as a member of, as a way to troll them basically, because there is no more conversation. It is yeah. only points winning. It is only trolling. It is, it is purely meme culture now come to life in drag marches in the East Village. Um, and and the is, sad part is, is as, yeah. long as, as long as this is how the conversation is, then we cannot, uh, in, in the gay community, protect children, right? Because there's, it's a complete blind spot. It, it's, it's like, imagine if like the Catholic Church just pretended like, you know, that stuff didn't happen for thirty years. Oh wait, they did. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it, we're in that position now. Do you not think in in fifteen twenty years there's going to be tons and tons of this brought up about how because of this, uh, this, un, uh, this inability to set proper boundaries and have a discussion about what the limits are, that. The, that abuse is happening, right? Like it, it's happening, and it's being and it's being uh, um, encouraged by not protecting against this sort of cluster B personality uh, takeover of the movement. Yeah, it really is just uh, the worst of all worlds right now. Uh, you know, forget Leibniz. You know, the best of all planets and the best of all possible worlds. We are on the worst timeline at the moment well and, just uh, justin just called in and he said he has he has uh advice for all of these drag marchers but let's let's take the heteronormative approach here i don't know what do you think <laughs> i don't think they're going to be down for that quite oh, honestly man. but uh and the we can't of course uh, <laughs> sorry this is kind of a deep detour we didn't talk about this in the pre-show gaming that we did but um and the, the whole the, speaking of the heteronormative approach this whole conversation about whether the word cis is a slur did you see this happening on Twitter? This I week? did. I did. I, I'm interested in your take on this, but uh, I do think it is used as a slur, and so it's. I I think it's more Elon trolling. Uh, well, yes. half trolling, right? Half trolling, right? It is used as a slur, but the, to point it out definitely makes the right people angry. I mean, here's. I'm of two minds of this, of course, because this is the mid side. There is a sense in which it is almost clearly a slur. With the caveat that, I mean, almost anything can be turned into a slur. Yes, in a yes. Sense. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, famously on this show years ago, someone called Justin a goofball, and we had a dis- debate about whether that was a slur at the time. Um, like anything can be used as a slur now, but the other side of this is, it's also just I reject that we need the word at all. Yeah, quite yeah. honestly. Well, like it, we I, have, does it I, does it fall in the same category for you as white? Yeah, kinda. 
Like we don't actually need that word either, really. Yeah. It doesn't refer to something that needs conceptualization, in my opinion. Not in um, today's but, modern world, right? It, right? At this point, it should be confusing to kids to hear about whites-only shit from from history, right? Yes, indeed. Indeed. So anyway, taking the heteronormative approach uh, oh, man. led me down that path. But there are some other paths that we need to head down, especially as we get into the artistic part of this conversation. Yeah, I heard you have a review for us on the Hopeful Bromantic <laughs> with Daniel T. Richards. Put me into syndication, broadcast to a network station of people viewing their favorite episodes. I can't find a new pitch to throw the studio. You too can help us out with the show and join in the conversation during the week. Join our Discord server. You can see it at the bottom of every uh, episode description. You can go to themidside.com, click on one of the shows, you'll see the link, and join our Discord. We usually post the trailers there as well, so join us. So Daniel, I hear you have watched some movies you are going to give us a review. I'm excited. <laughs> we have like one and a half reviews for you this <laughs> week because you know no one can, can do the uh, romantic analysis that one Justin and Lesneski can do. And so instead, we're going to give you volume. Um, hopefully that makes up for it. But um, <laughs> I sort of, not jokingly, but putting a movie this week in our, in our show prep document, uh, as I said that I was interested in reviewing, and got a lot of shit for it. And so, dagnabbit, I'm going to review Flamin' Hot. For those of you who are not familiar, Flamin' Hot is the Hulu original movie. It's like Hulu and Disney Plus, I think, original movie about the inspiring, quote, true, we'll get into that in a second, story of Richard Montañez, who, as a Frito-Lay janitor, disrupted the food industry by channeling his Mexican heritage to turn flaming Hot Cheetos from a snack into a billion-dollar iconic global pop culture phenomenon. So, Daniel, we so, did do the trailer on Trailer Takedown. And if I recall, and someone on the show, someone in Discord will probably correct me, I think Justin and I both very lightly tackled it. Very lightly tackled it. Okay, yep. interesting. We were, we were both concerned about, uh, about the, uh, uh, how, how woke it would be, right? It seemed to be straddling the line of, of almost being a caricature. Gotcha. Interesting. So... I wasn't going to watch this movie, but a colleague of mine, someone who works at Return of Ideas, said, hey, you got to watch this film. And you got to watch this film because ultimately it's a story about entrepreneurship where the entrepreneur isn't a horrible person and doesn't get destroyed in the end. And those two things alone, I was like, well, I, I've at least got to see it. So the first 20 minutes of this movie are unequivocally abysmal in almost every single way there is it's like 20 minutes of straight exposition to set up the story it's wow. done in a narrative style that is uh, annoying on top of unnecessary and i was at like minute 19 with the remote in my hand just going i i can't take this anymore if this is what the movie is going to be like uh i'm out but at about minute 20 
it radically changes into like a normal movie with a normal story about a janitor who wants to provide for his family, a guy who was in the gangs and decides he can't be in gangs anymore because he has a family and he has to provide. And that's one of the key elements here is he wants to provide for his family. He doesn't want to be taken care of. He doesn't want handouts. He doesn't want a job from his dad. He wants to find a way to provide for his family. And this is never belittled throughout the movie. This is taken as a hugely virtuous thing, which already in and of itself was a huge surprise. But then you go through this whole process of he comes up with an idea, he pitches it to the CEO of Frito-Lay with all these sort of like um, barriers in his way, and it becomes a huge success. Spoiler alert. Flamin' Hot Cheetos are a success in case I There's walkers in the barn and Lori's pregnant. <laughs> I kept the, the thing that's very positive about this movie is I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, quote-unquote. I kept waiting for them to turn it around like they were going to screw him over. That was 100% or, my fear. That's why I was afraid to watch it. You know, it was going to be some big white capitalist CEO destroys it. But like, <laughs> Monocle and CEO, cigar and all, right? That's right. But the CEO ends up being a good guy in this film and legitimately recognizing this guy's talent and helping him bring this product to market and also giving him a career later on uh, as uh, I won't tell you the exact what happens, but helps elevate his career. Um, so overall, if there's a criticism of this as art, it's that it is very one dimensional in a, in, a, in a sense. It's sort of just like good guy has good idea and good things happen to him. The end. There's not a ton of struggle in this. Um, so as art, it's not spectacular, but as a story about entrepreneurship and capitalism, you can't really ask for much more. There are little shots here and there about capitalism and white people. It's directed by Eva Longoria, so you'd expect a little bit of this. It's not heavy-handed. Ultimately, it's a story about family and entrepreneurship. And uh, so I recommend it, actually, weirdly. Nice. Um, it's got a lot of cheesiness to it. Uh, uh. Uh, hmm. um, but the performance by uh, the star uh, Jesse Garcia is enough to to carry it. Um, if you're really, really annoyed by the first 20 minutes as I was, you don't need them if you know anything about the backstory. But last thing I'll say about this, and then we can move on to actual art, is um, just to be clear, like even in the description for this, they say it's an inspiring, quote, true story, end quote. Because there is a, there are a lot of questions about whether or not this actually happened in this way at all, or whether this guy Richard Montanez basically made this story up. Um, but Frito Lay sort of like doesn't have a, an official position on it because it makes them money. So um, take it with a grain of of uh, of pepper. What's next, William? What do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about Silo? Ooh, I do want to talk about Silo. Um, are you watching this? I am not, but I've been hearing rumors as the season finally approaches that people are liking it. So I uh, wonder what your take is. Yeah, so Silo is a streaming series on Apple TV Plus um, starring Jessica Ferguson. It also uh, features Tim Robbins and Common. Yes, Common okay. is in this. Um, it's, if I, it's, 
sci-fi, it's futuristic. The production value is uh, insane because everything has insane production value now. Well, especially it's Apple based, TV. Especially Apple TV, which is just turning out some of the most insane-looking shows I've ever seen. Um, the premise is it's a dystopian future where these people have to live in a giant silo underground because Earth is dead or whatever. We don't really know what happened, uh, but essentially we have to keep people in the silo, and the silo has a bunch of rules, and it's run very um, socialisty or communisty, right? But over little bits here and there, you find out, of course, that a lot of what's going on is a lie, and we'll get into the specifics, but a lot of people start questioning why they have to be there, and the main character, Jessica Ferguson, who uh, is appointed the new sheriff of the silo, for reasons I won't give away, is sort of unraveling a mystery as to what's really going on with the silo. Um, it's based on a series of books by Graham... Uh, no, no, no. The books are by Hugh Howie, but the series was created by Graham Yost. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, the best I can say is that it's, it's not nihilistic. That there are people pursuing values. That there are clear good guys and bad guys. Um, that uh, things that people who listen to this show will love. The government seems to be the bad guy. We don't know yet. because We don't have a season finale, ultimately. But the government seems to be the bad guy. Mm. Um, and uh, the way it's told and how it's unraveled is interesting. It's not melodramatic, and it's also not... The thing I sometimes hate about mysteries is that everything's just a deus ex machina. Yeah. Uh, sort of like how Lost did it to some degree, is just... There's a new crazy thing that gets unveiled, and that has a million questions. They don't do it that way. It's it's unraveled. It's no mystery slowly. boxes, in other words. It's no mystery boxes. It's unraveled slowly. So far, it all makes total sense, and uh, yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it. I, I really find myself looking forward to each episode. But unfortunately, there's only one more episode. They premiere on Fridays, so this coming Friday will be the season finale. Yeah, I might have to give it a chance. Tonight. I've been trying to get Justin to watch C. And uh, he just can't find the time for it. But uh, I really liked C. And it has some good episodes, some bad episodes. It had a rough, you know, it was inconsistent season one, but really got going later seasons and really good sci-fi. Um, hmm. And uh, so maybe this is going to be our new, uh, new outlet for sci-fi. I know Foundation, I have a lot of criticisms for Foundation on Apple TV, but it was the production. You can't argue with the production value. And I found the acting to be good. The story choices are a little odd. I don't know what they're gonna if they're gonna end up changing the theme. That's one thing that I worry about when you're trying to adapt Asimov. But um, yeah. but yeah, Apple TV. Uh, the I don't think any of them suffer from the abysmal writing that we see coming out of Hollywood in general. Right. right? Even even shows I don't like, I can tell there there's a love of the art and an attempt at making it. Even if it is ends up being naturalistic, they they're taking the art part seriously. They're taking the art part very seriously, and they're doing shows that struggle with big questions, is what I find. Yeah. So, like, if you look at um, Severance, uh, you know, Great show. the mind-body yep. question. Um, if you look at, uh, I don't know if you watched The Big Door Prize, um, but the, no, the premise of The Big Door Prize is a machine shows up called Morpho. You put in two bucks, and it tells you... Uh, your your I forget the exact phrasing of it, but it's something like your highest calling in life. Yeah. And it's just like one word on a card. 
And so it's it's a show about determinism and about purpose. And if you get to choose what you're best at in life, or if you if you don't, if it's something that is called for you, yeah. um, really great big picture questions. And then uh, what was the other one? Oh, those were the sci-fi ones. The other one was uh, shrinking, which was also very good, but not sci-fi. So I won't talk about it anymore. Um, but yeah, on top of with Silo now, they're really building a beautiful sci-fi portfolio. So check it out. Cool. Well, uh, speaking of things to check out, it's time for everyone's favorite part of the show, Trailer Takedown. Um, this is the part where we break down a couple trailers. Daniel's picked us three. I just posted them into the Discord. Um, we usually post them on Saturdays, but apologies, we didn't get to it till today. Um, so while we're going through this, you can either listen to the trailers first, or you can listen to a trailer, we talk about it. Listen to a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer Takedown. First trailer. Hmm. The Challengers movie is directed by Luca Guadagino, unpronounceable, and it stars Zendaya, 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 I don't know how to pronounce her name, Josh O'Connor, and Mike Faced. Um, it's coming to theaters in September, and its description is one sentence it is the art of seduction and other games. Uh, if you watch the trailer, it's basically Zen Zendaya, Zendaya, mm -hmm. Zendaya, as a tennis player who seduces two dudes. And uh, something happens to her, and then over time, she basically mind fucks them. And uh, it, the song is very on the nose in the trailer. It's about how she's does evil. She's evil, but she does it really well, and it zooms in on her face. So clearly, she's got something going on. Uh, more examples of Z Z Zendaya, 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 choosing sort of these interesting sort of cultural roles, uh, much like um, Euphoria and, and some other things she's done. So. I don't know. Looks uh, to me terrible. One, hate tennis. Two, not a fan of... I'm not going to say her name again because I don't know how to say it. Um, and also just, uh, it seems like it's one of those movies where we just got the entire story in the trailer, so do I need to watch it? Am I going to get that much more out of it? <laughs> Tackle. Tackle. Daniel, I'd rather see the porno version of this movie. I feel like I've already watched this movie, but the porno version might be more interested. In fact, I'm sure there is a porno that is already this plot. I am I wrong? No. Like it's pretty much the implied they have a threesome at the beginning, and then yeah. he cuckold or she cuckolds the other dude, and that's the plot yeah. of the movie. Maybe we're missing something, like but but that's what it looks like to me. So that's what it looks like. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'll pass. <sighs> Tackle. Second trailer. The Beanie Bubble is the latest Apple TV movie offering that plays on <laughs> millennial nostalgia. It premieres July 28th and it stars Zach Galifianakis, Elizabeth Banks, Sarah Snook, and Geraldine Unpronounceable. Uh, why? The description is this. Why did the world suddenly treat stuffed animals like gold? Ty Warner was a frustrated toy salesman until his collaboration with three women grew his masterstroke of an idea into the biggest toy craze in history. The Beanie Bubble is an inventive story about what and who we value and the unsung heroes whose names didn't appear on the heart-shaped tag. Of course, the movie doesn't really say Beanie Babies throughout, but that is clearly what they're referencing. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it's hitting on that millennial nostalgia, much like they did with the movie Tetris, which worked so well. The Beanie Bubble looks maybe a little bit more like what you feared Flaming Hot was going to be, sort mm -hmm. of a, a takedown of capitalism um, with this sort of uh, unbridled nonsense, you know, who needs this crap kind of approach to it and not really look at the serious issues uh, of, of something, you know, creating a market out of thin air and all the interesting things that go along with that. Um, I will say that Zach Galifianakis, I, I didn't even recognize him, uh, weirdly. Maybe I just haven't seen him in a while. But uh, until I read who the star was, I, I thought it was a no-namer, quite honestly. I thought it was some, someone new. Looks kind of funny, kind of interesting, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of. Um, I have a lot of faith in Apple TV, but this doesn't hugely pique my interest. I think... I don't know. This is a maybe very light tackle for me. Tackle. Yeah. <clears throat> when I watched this, if this was supposed to be funny, I didn't laugh. And if the last movie was uh, female, you know, sociopathy, then this one was sort of male so sociopathy, right? I, hmm. It was interesting. It's an interesting contrast. These are the same characters with the same mental disorder uh, being portrayed on screen. Uh, could we? Deal, do I'm seeing too much sociopathy in real life, Daniel. I just I, I don't know that I want to sit through it for two hours. So I think I will pass on this one. Tackle. Final trailer. Drive Away Dolls is written by Ethan Cohen and Trisha Cook. It is a comedy caper that follows Jamie, an uninhibited free spirit, bemoaning yet another breakup with a girlfriend. Jamie is a girl, it's a, a lesbian couple and her demure friend, Marion, who desperately needs to loosen up. In search of a fresh start, the two embark on an impromptu road trip to Tallahassee. But things quickly go awry when they cross paths with a group of inept criminals along the way, directed by Ethan Cohen, and premiering September 22nd. I am not going to lie, partially the reason I chose this trailer is because it was a, 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 a comedy caper about a trip to Florida. And I thought driving to Florida appreciates. <laughs> um, the, the best I can say about this is it looks quirky, and quirky can sometimes be interesting. Um, the characters look a little, um, I don't know, like they're all high or something, like they're not all there. And so they don't interact in a normal way. It it, uh, you know what it reminds me of is if, um, if this was a Wes Anderson movie put through an AI generator to make it look <laughs> darker. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. Um, I don't know. If I had an edible or two, I might Netflix and hug this. Netflix and hug. <laughs> I uh my I I know I have an unrealistically high standard for comedies. I did not laugh at any of the jokes in the trailer. Uh why is Matt Damon in this movie? I have no idea. He he just Matt sits there in the trailer. Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. Um gosh, I can I just watch a Mel Brooks movie instead? I think I will tackle this one as well. 
tackle. I think I triggered the rule, though. You did trigger it. Oh, yeah. no. This is this is like a Sophie's Choice here. You did this on purpose. <laughs> you did this on purpose. I think that... I think I would enjoy laughing at challengers more than I would at drive-away dolls. So I think I have to do challengers. Right? I could watch that movie and laugh at it. You know, laugh at the bad behavior. Laugh at the manipulations. Uh, point point it out in real life where we see people actually doing this shit. Whereas I think with the drive-away dolls, I think that I think the quirkiness would more just annoy me. I think so. That's my choice. Fair enough. All right. Well, geez, can you believe we're already to the end of the show, Daniel? It's just oh like it's goodness. just like you never left. You just hopped right back in the saddle, and uh, it's like we don't even need Justin. Well, you know, I'm available. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Justin is quintessential to this show. <laughs> well, uh, what did you learn this trip, Daniel? Oh, well, I I mean, I did research on dark patterns, William, and I'm not sure I'll ever be the same. Um, I'm going to have to talk to my therapist about this. Step one, get a therapist. Step two, talk to a therapist about dark patterns because, man, I went down a, a road there, so... I'm going to have that, that thousand yard stare all week. William, what did you learn this week? Oh, man. Well, much like you, I learned that Amazon manipulated me into using Amazon Prime, even though I've, I think I've signed <laughs> up since, what was the first year it came out? 2015? Whatever year but it came you're out. You're literally using Amazon all and you get duped into using Prime. In the long run, don't you save money on shipping? I guess because if you, of it, like I, I don't know. Considering the amount of things I buy on Amazon, both personally and in my business life, like I've made money on Amazon Prime, even if I didn't even watch a single Amazon Prime show. Well, I hope you learned something this week as the dog starts barking while I'm talking. Uh, thank you, Daniel, for coming on the show again. Where can people find you? You can find me at Daniel T. Richards on Twitter or the Instagram. You can look up Return on Ideas um, at returnonideas.co. That's .co. Someday we will be cool enough to afford the M. But until then, .co. And uh, yeah. Uh, otherwise, Google sometimes... Daniel T. Richards. But don't forget that T. Otherwise, we'll be looking up Mr. Gay UK. <laughs> and sometimes lurking on the Discord. So thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to go to the midside.com slash store and pick up some merch. You can, of course, hit us up on Patreon so that you can what, Daniel? You can keep, help us keep the lights on. Oh, man, I've loved it. Yeah, exactly. Correct, though. Uh, and don't forget to tell a friend, especially a female friend. This concludes your journey to the midside. I'm William N. Green reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Oh, I stepped on it, didn't I? Way to step on it, William. Way to step on it, Justin. You got a new version now. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right.